All right, well, we are, uh, this is a special Sunday today. We're calling this our vision offering Sunday, kind of a miracle offering Sunday. And as we kind of, kind of officially finish this stage in the forward campaign, and uh, again, we're really excited. Now, thank you for, for those of you who've been you know, contacting us, letting us know that you're ready to give. But So as far as our miracle offering and our first uh, offering toward this, this new construction that we're planning on doing, today's the day, and we're going to do that at the end of the service, and I'm going to have some details for you and uh, a little creative way to, to help you understand how to do that. So today, today's message is called A Big Step Forward. A big step forward, and today's that day. Um, before I get to the message, just again, I want to remind you that um, you can go to the web step, set, website, valleyforward.net, where you can see an upload of the, uh, the blueprints of the elevation and also a first kind of, not a rough draft, but it's a, a working copy of our, of our blueprint for the floor plans. And I want to say this, because I've had a number of people come and, and share a little bit of concern about how things are laid out. And uh, so let me just tell you, if if you look at the blueprint, that's not the final version of that. That was the architect's idea of how he felt like we should lay things out. The cool thing is we're going to be, the the new construction is going to be mainly, if not all, the new building plus the atrium. The upgrades that we have to do in here, we're going to do mostly in the house to save us a lot of money. So we got a lot of gifts here, a lot of folks who are willing to serve. So we're hoping to do all of that. Uh, you know, as we can. So when you look at the blueprints there, not everything is where it's, it's supposed to be or going to be. So the, anyway, there's been a little bit of uh, uh, ruffling of feathers that way, and I just want to encourage you, don't, don't worry. We're going to make this happen in time in the way that we should get it to happen. And uh, so thank you for your patience. And again, thank you for, for helping us make this a reality. So the, I, I don't know what the actual final number is, but I think we're upwards of about 770000 that has been pledged over the next three years. Isn't that awesome? Let's give the Lord uh, a celebration for that. I tell you what, that's significant. And I want to thank you so much for that because this is going to be an awesome, uh, awesome thing. And, and I'm going to share a little bit about that today. So again, uh, finally, we've, we've sent out letters and uh, to just make sure you understand those letters was just to confirm that you did get, that we got your pledge card. So if you haven't received a letter yet, it could be either we didn't get your pledge card or maybe you thought you did it, your spouse did it. So you can still do that in the pocket in front of you. You can still pledge. You can do that anytime. Um, and so let us know. So that's what that, all that letter was for. So just to let you know about today and to let you know that we've got that in our records and we'll, we'll uh, keep track of that for you. All right, so that's the business end here. But let's talk about this big step forward we're taking today. And I want to begin with Ephesians chapter 4. And, you know, Paul is going to share something with us that is very, very important. It's really kind of the, the background, the encouragement when we talk about the church. Last week, I talked about the purpose of the church. And if you didn't hear that, I encourage you to go back and check that out because I really shared my heart and, and, and really just kind of let you in to where, where I live, what I live, eat, and breathe when it comes to how I see the church and what many of our group of pastors, we have given our lives to embrace regarding what we believe the local church is. And that is to skim off. As a young man, I remember hanging out with some pastors who had, so many of them had, had walked away from traditional environments so that they could just go right back to the scripture. And you know, it's, it's important that throughout church history that we reinvent ourselves, that we step back and say, what are we doing? And why are we doing it? 
Have we gotten so far along that now we're just doing things because we're just supposed to do them? And nobody asks the question, um, why are we doing this in the first place? And so it's important for you to kind of step back. We made a culture of that. In other words, to constantly be asking and checking our hearts at the door, saying, why are we doing what we're doing? And is, is the heart of God in the middle of this? And so we kind of create a new culture of, of, of being the kind of church that is fluid, that remains in the heart of God. So next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, because we can't do this without him. He is our senior partner. He's the one who's come to help us carry out what it is to be a Christian and how to be the church, ultimately. So I'm really excited about this series starting next week, because as I said, I'm kind of clearing out I'm starting over. I'm pushing off all the stuff. And, you know, look, I have taught on the Holy Spirit for over 30 some odd years, and I'm just going to push it all off the desk, and I'm just going to go right back to the Scripture, start fresh, and get, and get what God wants for us. And so I'm starting this, this series next week, so I don't want you to miss out. But let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. It says here, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves. What is Paul talking about? What he's talking about is when the church finally is the church. So I'll give you that backstory, and let me read it again. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. We know that too, don't we? You know, people can do little underhanded things sometimes. But maturity is for us to live our lives in the open and be honest with one another and to, be cut, to grow into the maturity of that honesty, to grow into the maturity of what it is to be a believer, to be a Christ follower. That's our goal. He's not talking about heaven here, by the way, as some might assume. Uh-uh, he's talking about here. He's talking about what, the ch- what, what is the goal of the church, to grow up, to be mature believers who understand what it is that we're called to and to be. So he says, so we're going to be able to recognize scheming, you know, doctrines. We're going to recognize when we're trying to be manipulated. We're going to recognize when it's just kind of hoopla. No, no, no. We're going to grow into a maturity that we understand that what is the goal is to, again, to grow in the rays of Christ. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 15, instead, compared to all the cunning craftiness, manipulation and stuff, instead, speaking the truth in love, Well, the key to that is truth, truth in love. And that's my job every week. Before I come, I often will go to to my quiet place and say, Lord, I'm going to speak the truth. Help me do it in love. That's my prayer every Sunday, by the way. Speaking the truth, Lord, help me do it in love. So, but that's the goal. Speaking what? Truth. And in what way? In love. Every Sunday, in our small groups, saying, brother, I love you but I need to share this with you. That's the goal. That is the church. We will grow, when we do that, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Jesus Christ, the head of the church. Notice that it's not a building. Notice, even though we use this building for what we use it for, you need to understand, and we're talking about building a building over there, it's a sheep shed. It's a place, it's a vehicle. It is something that we're, we're, we're using in order to accomplish a vision. That's all. And so we want to create environments where people can connect to fulfill a vision for Christians to be able to speak the truth in love, to get together, to worship, to make Christ the focus where people can walk in and say, God is here among you. 
That's the goal. That's the mature attitude regarding why we do what we do, is to help all of that happen at an even greater level with Christ as the head. Verse 16, from him, that's Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up. Oh, that's interesting. You mean that's not my job? I'm not supposed to be building you up every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and I just get a little a spiritual uh, pump, fill your hearts up, and then you drain all week long. Don't want to get it filled back up again? Uh-uh. You're supposed to build one another up. You're supposed to get together as believers and encourage one another. How you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Let me pray for you. Let me stand with you. That's the body. As each part does, as each muscle, as each bone, as each joint, as each ligament. See, some of you are ligaments. You hold people together. Some of you are muscles. You're the power to make this thing happen. Some of you are skin. You're just beautiful. Anyway, I'm just, you know, it, the, the analogy falls apart, of course. But he's the head. And each of us do our part in order to function as a body. That's healthy. That's the goal. And sometimes we forget that because what we grew up in, because we've been, what we've been exposed to, and I'm not, not trying to rain on anybody's parade or to criticize any other thing. What we need to do is step back and say, are we doing this the way the Bible says? Should we not get back to what really the Bible teaches when it comes to what the church is supposed to be and do? Well, of course, I'm committed to that. And so that's where we are. And he goes on. So, so the whole body held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. So you want to grow? Well, each joint needs to do its part. We all need to work together and in many different ways. And that's what forward is all about, really. And so uh, as each part does its work. Now, I want to make this statement. If you got the notes, you, you got it there and in, in, uh, in whether it be on your app or in the notes, I, I wrote this as just kind of a, another statement to kind of clarify. And it says, we identified as Valley Community Church. Okay, so we throw a name in there. Why do we even have a name? So we can identify ourselves as to coming into a membership. Of course, there's legality issues with that, but that's not a spiritual concern but that we understand that we are a local church, that we are a body. So we give ourselves a name, not a holy thing. We're not taking this with it. We will not be segregated in heaven according to the name of the church that we belong to. We'll become a part of this one big one, amen? But we identify ourselves as that for a specific reason. And we are a local gathering of believers that understands its mandate its charge, its command to change the world by walking boldly, confidently, and obediently, and generously in the calling and the power that we have been given by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's role in this to help us be witnesses. You know, got to feel bad for the Holy Spirit, one of the most ignored persons in the Godhead. And he's like, man, I don't understand why they don't call upon me more. I don't understand why they don't recognize me more. Well, we're going to help in that endeavor. God, to get the Holy Spirit working among us and tapping into the gift that he is to us. So, been called by Christ to do some amazing things, to be his witnesses. Now, I want to talk about some, some motivations regarding, in order to make this happen, there's some things that need to happen inside our heart. And so I want to start with 
these three things, talking about boldness. I want to talk about obedience, and then I want to talk about generosity. Let's talk about boldness first. In Acts chapter 28, 29 through 31, we have really kind of the end of the story, if you will, about Paul. And Paul, as you know, served. Now, Paul was a Jew, and initially, and and a very famous Jew, and a very active Jew, a very uh, full of vigor Jew. But then he got converted pretty dramatically, and he went back to his, his, his family. He went back to the Jews and said, look, I've I've discovered who the Messiah is. I've met him. He appeared to me. This whole guy, this whole situation, this guy we killed, well, he is it. We made a big time mistake. Jesus is the Messiah. Some listened, but most did not. Over a short period of time, it didn't take very long, where they finally rejected him and said, you're insane, so we're going to kill you. They tried to kill him, couldn't do it. He appealed to uh, the authorities in Rome, and to Rome he went. And so here, we actually have a, a, an interesting little snippet in Acts 28 that kind of tells us how, how, how things happened there toward the end. It says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. This was a part of Paul's mission. Because when he got rejected by the Jews, he said, well, okay, I'm done with you. I'm going to the Gentiles. And what he noticed was that they were listening. And that's exactly what he says here. He says, that salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. And the truth of the matter is this, they still are. They still are. A couple thousand years have passed by, but folks, we're still in the mandate. We're still in the calling. We're still, we're, we took the baton from Paul and we're still doing what he's called us to do. And that is to bring the wonderful, good, wonderful, powerful message we call the gospel to every tribe, tongue, and nation on the planet. That is our mission, and we are to go boldly. Check this out, what it says about Paul. So it says, and they will listen. So then it goes on. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Now, he was under house arrest, by the way. And we know, legend tells us, and this is a pretty solid uh, historical fact, that Paul was beheaded and died in Rome for his faith, probably under Nero, the emperor, during the time, doing a great persecution. So Paul gave his life, but up to that moment, he was boldly sharing the gospel with every Roman citizen that came to see him, mostly Gentiles. Paul, tell us, what is this gospel you, you, that's just taking this, the, the, the city of Rome by storm? Who is this man? And he shared, and he shared, and he shared, and he taught, and he taught, and the wonderful thing is that we have a lot of his letters that he wrote called epistles, and we're able to understand what happened during that time, fill in the blank of the historicity of the church. We understand that Paul took what he learned from Christ and created a theology, a theology we enjoy to this day, of who Christ is, theology of the church, how we're supposed to live, take words of Christ and apply them to the Gentiles' lives That's us, so that we will know how to live our lives according, making that wonderful jump. So he says, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's what I want to capture right there. You know, in his circumstances, he was imprisoned. And what he did is he said, look, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so I will serve with all of my energy, with all my heart, and with all boldness. And you know what, folks? When we think about the church, that's where we need to go. We need to stop twiddling our thumbs. 
We need to stop thinking about the church as being a problem rather than the solution. We need to understand that, look, God's not giving up, <clears throat> excuse me, God's not giving up on his church. Never has, never will. It's just our responsibility to get back to doing what he will anoint and will attract the Holy Spirit to. That's the goal. It's quite simple, actually. We complicate it. But what we need as a motivation from the get-go is a boldness. And we're going to talk about that next week as to how we can get that boldness. And it's cool. Because you may be an introvert. You may not be, a, you know, by nature a bold person. But I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, whew, amazing, wonderful things can happen. And we'll learn next week, well, really during the process, that we're called to be witnesses. And that God did not call us to be witnesses without giving us the what we would need in order to make that happen. So we need boldness. And we also need it individually, but we also need it corporately. So when we think about fulfilling the vision I've just shared with you to be the church, we can't well, I could, you know, kind of rinky-dink around with that. We've got to move forward boldly. We need to do what he's called us to do, knowing confidently that he's got our back, that he is going to bring authority to his word. And he's going, he said, I'm never going to leave you, never forsake you. He says, I've got you back. So all I need is, is obedient, which is the next point, but I need bold people to step out and get that boldness to make it happen. Folks, what we're getting ready to do is quite bold. There's no doubt about it. And this started generating in my heart several years ago, and actually before I even came here or on my way here, but just only a couple of years ago when God really began to press in and say, David, you're going to need to take the next step if you're going to do what I've called you to do. Yes, sir. And so I'm grateful to the elders that they've, that, that they've seen that, they understand that, they believe that, and they're helping us all together to, to, for us to step forward boldly, and you're doing the same. And the beautiful thing is that as we do that, we're going to find out <clears throat> what the church is really all about. It's about people. It's about people. I think we can get caught up with our money. We can get caught up with you know, fighting over little different things about spaces, his, that, and the other thing. But ultimately, at the end, it's about people. And you know what? I have learned after many years of what I've, uh, I've been doing is that, you know what? The church would be the most wonderful thing on the planet if it didn't involve, involve people. <laughs> and you know what? That's okay. I've learned that I'm people too. And I've got my issues. But what I've learned is to just trust and just say, you know what? That long suffering as a gift there in the Holy Spirit is there for a reason. And that is to, for us to get along and do what God has called us to do. But that doesn't mean that as a coach, that as a leader, that I'm going to blink one minute when it comes to the kingdom of God and the gospel. Sorry, I love you. And I'll cheer you on. But if you're not really interested in souls then we need to talk more about souls. We need to talk about emptying hell and filling up heaven and all the creative, wonderful ways we can do it. And we need to do it boldly. We need to understand that this is now the acceptable day of the Lord. This is now when the gospel is supposed to go forward and they will listen. That's what Paul was telling us. You notice his kind of his last words were, I'm going to the Gentiles because these guys shut me out. I'm going to go to the Gentiles and they are listening. And man, we have a record of that. And it's amazing wherever the gospel goes on the planet, people are listening. People are coming to Christ by the thousands all over the world. 
We don't hear about it enough because, well, you know, I mean, I could say many, many more things on that, but I just, I don't have time. But folks, we're all supposed to do this obediently. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, we have Jesus's great commission. And you'll notice that this is not spoken in such a way as it really gives us much options. It's not a suggestion. It's a commission. It is a commandment. Look what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, you notice it's not like, hey, you know, if you guys have time, if you ever get around to it, you guys think maybe you could take a little bit of your life and go make disciples? I mean, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to you know, encroach upon your plans and other things you got going on, but if there's any chance that you could make a disciple or two. Mm. Jesus says, therefore, go. He says, all authority in heaven has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. Start with your back porch. Start with your neighborhood. Then go to your friends, your oikos, your circle of relationships, your household, and beyond. Wherever God takes you, be salt and light. Make disciples. Last week, we talked about that. What is a disciple? It's a follower of Christ, of course. And what we find is that he made it even more specific. He said, look, I want to help you understand exactly what it is you're supposed to be discipling them in. Let's go to the last part. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So what are we supposed to disciple them in? The words of Jesus, of course. There's no confusion there. We're not supposed to be teaching you know, religious platitudes we're not supposed to be teaching different things that confuse people or some kind of a warped, you know, culturalized semi-gospel or a love fest of culture. Uh-uh. Teaching them to obey everything I have suggested to you, commanded you. And I know that might ruffle your, your feathers. We're, we're not a generation. This generation, there, there's a lot of stiff-necked. This is a stiff-necked generation. I hate to say it, but we are. We have pushed God away in many of our, and we continue to do so to our own peril. But Jesus says, look, don't back off. Continue to teach the word. Continue to preach my words, primarily centered there in the Sermon on the Mount, to understand that we, there, there is, God, there's no shadow of changing in God. His words are yes and amen. When he addresses what we're supposed to do with our body, what we, when he addresses what we're supposed to come out of our mouth, when he addresses how we're supposed to raise our family, what our marriage is like, all of that, that does not change teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So folks, there's an obedience factor here. It's huge. It's huge. And so, called to be that local church. We're called to change the world. We're called to be salt and light. How? Go to tell them about Jesus, and let's teach them about what Jesus said. Now, I have dedicated my whole life to taking what Jesus said and applying it to a culture. And that's a challenge. But the beauty is God has given the church a plethora, right? Always wanted to use that word. Good opportunity. A, a plethora of teachers to be able to explain to us how to make it happen. You hear them on the radio. There's some awesome teachers out there, so much better than me. Teachers that I look to. 
I've got commentaries. I've got everything I need. I'll tell you what, we live in a history right now where there shouldn't be any confusing confusion regarding the basic teachings of Christ. None. I am sorry. But if you twist it in such a way, it becomes so completely obvious, it's like putting an orange part on a blue car. Sorry, it just doesn't fit. Doesn't look right. Doesn't smell right. So, obediently. Thirdly, generously. And this is where we turn the corner. Jesus is going to teach us about generosity because how do we make this thing? Well, we've got to do it with boldness. We've got to do it with obedience, but it's going to come with generosity. And this, I mean, obedience has to come first because generosity, whew, that's a tough one for us. It is a tough one. Jesus talked about money almost more than any other topic. And we do know that where, Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Isn't that right? What we treasure is indicative of what our heart state is. So in that, with that in mind, let's, let's read what Jesus said and then Paul and a much more detailed uh, explanation. Luke chapter 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. That is what is called the law of reciprocity. And you will see this in every aspect of life. It's seen in nature. It's also a spiritual principle. And Jesus wants to let us know, look, I'm just going to tell you. Give, and it will be given to you. When you give, God will always continue to give to you. And not only just what you gave, Check it out. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. That what he's saying is what is given will be given back to you in greater measure. And, and sometimes in, in quality or equality with the actual gift, so in other words, if we gave money, that God will give us back money, that, that we give out our time, God will give us more time, so on and so forth. But not always, as you'll see here. But it says a good measure pressed down. I mean, not a disappointing measure, but a good measure. Sh pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Little cup, little return. Big cup, big return. That's what Jesus is saying. Teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. So generosity is a powerful, powerful character trait of a believer. Generous, generosity. And in other words, folks, we need to learn to get out of ourselves. So it's interesting. I'll share a little bit of my journey. I remember when we started getting into forward. I did like you did, and I know you did. I did the same thing. I got looking at it and saying, okay, what is this going to cost me? And I mean, I started looking at the three years, and I, and I was like, okay, you're the pastor, David. You need to set the pace here. And so I started looking at my finances, going over things, talking over with Andrea, and I said, well, honey, we're going to have to put that little thing on hold because, you know, we really need to do this. But my take on it was completely like, what is this going to cost me? When I shouldn't have been thinking that way at all. Thank God I'm there. Now I'm thinking, what is this going to, what am I going to be blessed by the next three years of how exciting that is going to be for me and for you? So I did, those words not, did not come out of my mouth just a few minutes before I walked off the stage on Thursday night and a young lady walked up to me and she was, Pastor David, I just have to tell you this. I said, tell me. She said, the moment I decided I was going to give toward forward, my phone has not stopped ringing for the business that's coming in. She said, I'm having to tell people I can't handle you right now. And I high-fived her and I said, that's how it works. Starts in the heart, moves through a hand, 
And God says, I got you. When you decide to be a conduit of the grace, now this works in every aspect of our life, whether it be with your time, your words, and your finances, then God will never allow you to be empty because it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what he said. That's what he said. I'm, I'm sharing Bible with you. Very plain. Now let's go a little deeper with my man, Paul. He's speaking to the Corinthian church. Now these are Gentiles. These are the Gentiles of the Gentiles. These are pagan Gentiles. These guys were a mess. I mean, they had so, much, so many problems. Paul had to stay there for about two years and wrote three letters to them to correct a lot of things. Well, we only have two of them. One's missing. But check this out. 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And I like that. Don't you like that? You know? I think sometimes we get into that mode where we just feel like we can take a Bible and just bring everybody up in the front and just take that Bible and hit them right over the head. Boom! And that's really what become church is, is that I become afraid of God, and people are motivated through fear and manipulation. We talked about that. We're not into that. This, this whole forward thing needs to be something that comes out of your heart. It is only my job to tell you exactly what it is that God told me to do. It's then your job to pray over it where you want to be a part. What I've done is I've created a garden. And what I've put in it, by faith in God, is good loam soil. You can put your seed in any soil you want. You can sow it in your own garden into your own stuff, or you can put it into a seed of some other ministry you see, or whatever you want to do. That's no problem. But what I'm saying is, I think this is good soil. And if you put your seed in there, then it's going to raise up, and it's going to, be, it's going to go beyond you. It's going to raise up something pretty amazing. Paul addresses that, actually. He says, each of you, give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all, I love this, these phrases now. Come on, man. This is so good. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Man, isn't that good? God says, everything that you set your hands to, I will bless and prosper. Well, folks, fill it in. When I think of my life as a tither, when I first started at 17 years old, and I began to, 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 to take my hands off of that and give my life to God and give my time to God and to give that 10% of my tithe to God and offerings, whether it be to missionaries and the other different things, I look back after this many years and say, God, you've always had my back. You've blessed the fruit of, 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 of my family. You've just keep pouring it out to the point where it's just like pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Amen, baby. And you can start anytime. All things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, not a bad work. If you're up to bad stuff, God's not going to bless that. Won't. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Interesting. He didn't say a so store of food. He said store of seed. And what do we do with seed? We plant it. That's exactly right. And if you eat up all your seed, you got nothing to plant. Seed has a purpose. Yes, of course. Like wheat germ, it's a seed. A wheat, you know, 
You take some of it, you grind it up, and you make bread, and you eat it. I love bread. I love it a lot. But then the rest of it should be used to store it and put it into the ground. Let it die as the kernel does. Jesus, the seed, the kernel, sown into ground. He dies, but he comes up, and now the earth is filled with millions upon millions upon millions. Sound like Trump there, but anyway, millions of fruit coming up, right? The earth is, all of us are a result of what Jesus did. We are the fruit of his, the seed being put on the ground. So he gives us seed to do the same thing. That's what we've got to catch here. The harvest of your righteousness. Oh, let me back up. So seed of the sower, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. I love that. Because he's not just saying enlarge your harvest of money or enlarge your harvest of material possessions. That's actually a given. But what is even more exciting is that he's going to enlarge our harvest of righteousness. In other words, it's going to impact. This is what I've seen, and this is all the rest I'm going to say on this. I mean, I think so. And that is, the most generous people that I know are also loving, kind, and godly people. Yep. Some of the people that have blessed me over the years, that have surprised me and didn't do the things, people that I've watched them do and how they've released their finances to, to do amazing things, whether it be in our ATKs or whether it be those who are faithfully tithing here at Valley, I look at their lives and I say, you have a harvest of righteousness. Yes, in many ways, I've seen God bless their finances, bless their marriage, bless a lot of different things in their life. But what I've seen and what really catches my eye is the harvest of righteousness. I see Jesus in you. And that's because we're sowing the seed of what? Obedience. Obedience. When I obey God and I do something that is spiritual, it brings a harvest of righteousness because what it does inside me, it says, I've obeyed God. Therefore, must, I must assume that he exists. Therefore, I must assume he loves me. Therefore, I assume that everything he says is true. Therefore, I assume that I am going to be blessed day after day after day. That's it. And you say, all that just by giving of my money? Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now he tells us why we're going to be blessed, why God likes doing it. Why does God like doing it? Because he wants us to continue to be a blessing. He says, I'm going to bless your socks off so that you can continue to be a blesser of people. That's important. Does that not cover the motive? Because up to this point, you're still looking at me like, man, I don't know, Pastor David. You are raising money. But what is it that God's really after here? A heart change. To make us into people that are generous by lifestyle. Way beyond this building. Way beyond anything else. When we learn to live that way, then we're touching the heart of God and we become a partner with him to change this world. Yeah, that's where it goes. So folks, it comes to this. We're going to do this miracle offering now. What we call a vision offering, miracle offering forward offering. So we've been excited about this. We've made our pledges. We've told God, God, okay, we're going to make what your heart for this valley, our heart. 
we're going to build a bigger sheep shed. We're going to create a space that can be used for your glory. We're going to create an opportunity for children to be able to come and feel like they're loved and welcomed, and then we can teach them and train them the next generation. We want to train up another generation of missionaries, teachers, pastors, leaders, evangelists, apostles, and prophets right here. We want to be a ground zero for kingdom of God activity. So we're asking you, Lord, to help us make it happen. So it's come to this. Part of what we've asked you to do is on this day, we're starting. It, it starts now. On St. Patty's Day, we are going to give this miracle offering, and we're going to ask God. It's our, kind of our lunch. It's our kids' lunch. And we're going to give it, and we're going to say, Lord, now we need you to multiply this thing. And I know he's going to do it. What I'm most excited about is the testimonies I'm going to hear like that young lady who shared with me Thursday night. There's going to be a whole lot of high-fiving going on around here because we make his priority ours. And God says, I gotcha. So we're going to give, and we've got these boxes up here. And in just a moment, we're going to ask you to come up, take your envelope. Now, if you're going to give online, as Meredith is going to share with us in just a moment, because there's too many details for my brain to, to handle. So I'm going to have Meredith... Uh, come up here in just one moment. She's going to, on the video, to tell you other ways that you can give today. So, I mean, things have changed. So, but if you want to still fill out an envelope and just say giving online, that's fine. And you want to do so, because I think it's important that, that we step out, that we come down, and we make a physical move toward that, that we kind of communicate to God. It, it all kind of works together. Vision, faith, motion helps to solidify decision. And so you want to do that? Give online, that's fine. Fill out an envelope, say, gave online, but drop the envelope in as a physical gesture of the generosity you're asking God to move through you, all right? And to help us make this thing a reality. Now, I think that's all I'm going to say with that. Now, here in a moment, we're going to, we're going to finish with a song. We're going to worship, but I'm going to have Meredith come up here. She's going to be really excited. So it'll wake you up. Okay, here we go. Meredith, go ahead. Hey guys, this is Vision Offering Weekend, and I wanted to give you some information about how you can give today to the Forward Campaign. Most of you have filled out the Forward Commitment Card, and if you have done so, you should have received a letter in the mail this week confirming your commitment. Now, today is the day for us to give our very first offering to the Forward Campaign, and here are some ways that you can give. First of all, if you look in the pocket in the chair in front of you, you will see our Forward Vision envelopes. This is the envelope that you will put your first fruits in for today. So whether it's money or a check, you can use this envelope to give today. Then if you would prefer to give on your phone or your computer, we do have online giving. So the same way that you tithe online, you can give to Forward. So you can give on valleychurch.us or give on our app and even text to give. Texting to give is so easy. Simply put the amount that you would like to give to forward and then the word forward to the number at the bottom of the screen. Pastor David will give you the rest of the information regarding your vision offering here shortly. And we thank you for your gift. Amen, folks. Let's stand up this morning. 